Welcome to a special episode of the Eclectic Readers Podcast. Today, we're sitting down with author Danielle Clayton at the 2019 Nova Teen Book Festival. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited. I'm really excited to have yes. you. Yay! <laughs> so could you give us a quick pitch for your series, The Bells? Sure. I pitch it as Scott Westerfeld's Uglies meets Marie Antoinette's Court, set in a world where everyone's looking sort of strange or gross, but there are these women called the Bells that can change you down to your bones for the right price. That's, That's a really good description. It is. <laughs> well, I try to use things that hopefully kids and teens have read Uglies. If they haven't, mm-hmm. I hope they find it and love it as much as I do mm-hmm. because I really want to be in conversation with Scott Westerfeld and that property because it's just so great. Yeah. Um, yeah. But also that it is different and I wanted to hint at there are some things that in the book and that happen <laughs> <laughs> that are a little bit different. There are definitely some things yes. that happen. Yeah. <laughs> so before we jump into some book bell questions, okay. what is your Hogwarts house and what is your Patronus? Oh. Well, I want my Hogwarts house to be Hufflepuff, okay? But Julie Murphy, author of Dumplin', mm-hmm. said that I'm a Slytherin because I can make the test Give me Hufflepuff <laughs> if I wanted to. I mean, that is kind of a Slytherin thing. I know, yes. but I love the Hufflepuff co- colors, and I love Newt Scalamander. And He's so great. I just, yeah, well, but you, I'm a Slytherin. But you know, <laughs> the hat takes your your thoughts and feelings into account. So you could join me in our Badger house and eat a bunch of snacks if you like. Right. <laughs> I know. I just feel like it would come like Malfoy right above and be like, Slytherin! <laughs> and I'd be like, but I want to also be a puff. Uh, but yes, I'm a Slytherin. My Patronus, I haven't figured out. Um, but my favorite animal is a sloth. Oh. Uh, so I would like to just be in a tree, eating flowers, like leisurely tanning myself in some sort of jungle somewhere. So that's my Patronus for now. Yeah. But I feel like I need to get a better grip on what it should be. Maybe something a little more active. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, if you want us to actually protect you, because I feel like the sloth's idea of protection is like, <laughs> right, so it's stuck. Uh, All right, I'm sleeping. Exactly. <laughs> so it doesn't protect me. It's just what my soul is. Yes. <laughs> so I do need um, a better Patronus. I'm working on that. All right. Yes. Fair enough. Patronus for now. Is exactly. Fine. <laughs> so diving into the bells. Uh-oh. I'm in trouble. <laughs> Not at all. Um, But you have the idea of being a slave to beauty, and it's both literal and figurative in this book, and it's such an interesting concept that you explore. Can you tell us about how this idea came to be? Sure. Um, It really came out of being a teenager that had really bad cystic acne. I'm still an adult that deals with cystic acne, and sort of being a misfit and not really understanding sort of how to dress, how to do my hair, how to, like, keep it all together, and how to battle something that felt like a a daily war um, with my skin. And all of that stuff started happening in, like, sixth grade. And also, you know, in middle school, everyone starts organizing based on sort of, like, who's cool and who's not. And I saw a lot of friend groups developing based on that, and I was always just that nerdy outsider sort of grumpy, like really into my crafts, into my books, and I couldn't find where I fit. And so I started to see that there was a relationship between being beautiful mm. and being having a sense of power. And then I grew up in this area, yeah. but on the Maryland side, 
of the DMV, <laughs> and I overheard some guys talking about their wives and girlfriends, and I have it in the letter at the end of the book, right. and they were talking about how they would rather their girlfriends have someone else's legs or breasts or hair, and I thought, oh my God, and I was about 12, is this how men talk about women and their bodies? Sort of like that Build-A-Bear workshop. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that really messed me up. Yeah. And it broke something inside me that I'm still sort of wrestling with even now. Mm-hmm. And I'm in my mid-30s, headed to the late 30s, um, where I'm just sort of like, what does it mean to be beautiful? Yeah. And what am I willing to do to do that? I mean, I'm still in a war with my skin always. Mm-hmm. So I write a letter at the end of The Everlasting Rose about that and sort of the things, the medication that I was taking in order to get on top of my my really bad skin gave me a huge tumor because I was willing to take all of this stuff in order to get clear skin because that's what's beautiful. That's what's in the magazines. Mm. And I thought people were just born with this skin and why wasn't I? Right. So it's all my demons is where this book sort of came out of. Wow. I think that's why it's so powerful, Yeah, you know, the way it's written. Yeah, we were just saying um, a few minutes before you walked in how it, like, really sticks with you that idea of – beauty and how something that in reality is actually very subjective like is something that has so much power and it like and people try to make it objective right yeah and we impose these standards on us and it's like well where do they come from Mm -hmm. and that was the question that I want teens to to sort of interrogate and ask Mm -hmm. and even adults especially adult women because we weaponize it against each other yeah and we sort of assess each other. Like mm. a compliment from a woman always feels better to me than a compliment mm. from a man because I know that she has assessed herself mm. and then sort of given yeah. me this compliment based on how she feels mm. about her own self. And it it really does. I get a lot of letters from a lot of teenagers about how it felt almost too real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's like, well, I think about changing myself all the time and like, what choices would I make if it was actually available that I could change everything from the inside out? Yeah. 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 It's, it's just a weird, weird thing. <laughs> but it's such an interesting concept and it's such an important thing to talk about, especially with the teens and even us in, in our thirties too. It's, yeah. it's still right. something that you deal with. And yeah. I do feel like I'm sort of beholden to it and using the term like being a slave to beauty where I'm, I'm constantly thinking about it. Mm-hmm. It is the, it's a ritual. It's yeah. a routine. That's why there's a lot of rituals with the beauty treatments because that's how yes. it feels for me. Like I have several steps that I have to do. Mm-hmm. I literally have a regiment that I have to keep in order to keep my skin clear mm-hmm. about my, what I'm eating, how much sleep, my stress levels, what I put on my face, the mm-hmm. medication that I have to take. It is a literal, if I don't do it, I will be punished for it. Yeah. And it's not just the aesthetic punishment. It's it's painful, like mm-hmm. physically painful yes. to have it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's both emotional and physical. Yeah, that, that emotional piece really seems strong with me. And I was thinking about like when you were talking about at the panels and you were talking about how like it's, you know, it can be like horrible inside and there's a whole part of that where the, the bells also like – like manner and grace and yeah. posture is all part of their bells training, mm-hmm. right? And so it's like it does dig into your your psychology, psyche, yeah. your emotions, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then also, how does your personality factor into 
what is considered beautiful. Yes, mm-hmm. I like right? that um, arcana. Yeah. Arca- yes, yeah. How, how some of that, it wasn't just skin deep. It was going in and really changing your personality, changing who you are. Yeah. Right. Because I always felt like there were certain kind of girls that were more palatable. Mm. Uh, than others and I was always just like a little grumpy and I always didn't say always the right thing and I thought oh the girls who are sugar and spice and every you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and everything nice everyone loves them and I'm ambitious and nitpicky and particular and very specific Mm -hmm. and fussy and I have a lot of feelings and ideas (laughs) and that and is not the way that you're supposed to be a girl or a woman yeah. and not the way, not especially when you're looking for dating prospects too yeah. and like romantic love. It's like I'm sort of the ornery girl, <laughs> right? I'm the girl who bites. Yeah. I'm not going to bend myself out of shape just for romantic love and that mm-hmm. is not the programming that we receive mm-hmm. as the proper appropriate girl. So I thought when I was building their powers – I needed to address personality. Yeah. And you yeah. see teenagers and even grown people adopting different personalities in order to sort of have access to different things. And yeah. I thought, hmm, That's why true. can't I do that? Yeah. My mom would always say, just play the game. And I'm like, I can't play the game. <laughs> I've opted out of the game. Like, I can't play I can't play the game. Mm. She's like, why can't you just keep your mouth shut? Why do you have to bite? And I'm like, I literally can't help it. Yeah. I'm like, I don't like that. Uh, you know, it's just one of those things. Your mom and my dad would get along. My dad used to say, play the game all the time. <laughs> and I wish there's some yeah. people that can play the game mm-hmm. super well. That's why I wanted to address, like, if you could change your personality, what would that what would that look like? Yeah, and what would that do to you? Yes. Yeah, yeah. that's true. So we have this whole interesting world that all of this is happening in, which is just amazing. It's so vivid. It's so tactile. You know, you have these little teacup animals, which are adorable, (laughs) but you've got all of these food descriptions, all of the descriptions even of what they're using, the the different cosmetics, the different creams Creams and powders. You know, I could just see everything, and I I felt like I could almost feel it too. So what was that process like creating that world? Well, when we were talking about beauty... um, I used to, when I would go to, like, Macy's, this was before Sephora, <laughs> um, and you would go to, like, Bloomingdale's, and you'd go through the, like, perfume and, like, products department. Mm-hmm. It always felt like I would get a little tingle, like, this is going to solve my acne. If I just get the right products, it's going to be magic. So I thought that these things contained magic. Mm. I didn't realize that it was hormonal and chemical (laughs) and genetic and all of those things, I thought that these things would solve it. So I started looking at the history of, well, how did we get to all of these accoutrements? How did Mm -hmm. all of these things come to be? And I researched the beauty industry. I researched literally, how did we get lipstick? How did we get cold cream? How did we get Mm -hmm. all of the powders and um, all of these things and traced it all the way back? to where people were lining their eyes with coal in Egypt and sort of the onset of how people started painting themselves, primping themselves, waxing themselves in order to create this image. Mm -hmm. And how did these standards come to be? And I found it very fascinating to research the history of the beauty industry itself. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of how I started. And I thought, I can't write about beauty without writing about the objects and instruments of beauty. Yeah. Because we use a lot of stuff. We do. Yeah, <laughs> and I was always overwhelmed by it, yeah. right? Those, Especially those, like, eyelash curlers. I just mm-hmm. never understood them. And I grew up in a house with a mother who didn't wear makeup. 
she has a face full of freckles and moles, and so she never really, she was like, oh, it looks weird to cover it, and she was a tomboy, and she just wasn't really into it. So I, seeing other mothers that had that, mm. going to other people's houses that had that, I never learned how to use makeup growing up because she just didn't wear it. She would only put on a little lipstick sometimes. So I was fascinated by it. So I dug into the history of beauty and beauty products specifically and then the history of clothing and corsets and how we sort of adorn ourselves. And that's where it all came from. And I was like, I need to make this stuff magical because <laughs> I thought it, that it would be if these women control beauty. Mm. And then everything in the world would have a dainty, feminine, like saturated quality because we also – hate those things and we sort of poo-poo on them and I thought let me just imbue them with like excess magic that's where the little animals came from <laughs> and all the little teacup animals I thought if this was a dainty really decadent just sort of gross and mm -hmm. um grossly saccharine world yeah it would be an overdrive Right. Yeah. Well, and you see the decay right underneath. Exactly. You know? yeah. <laughs> I, that's what I wanted. I wanted everything to sort of be this beautiful thing that when you bit into it, it was full of poison and sort of rotten at its core. Mm. Um, and I wanted dresses that would be just ridiculous and that are alive. Yeah. Um, just because I thought that they would do that because they were so obsessed with it, yes. being the best and looking different mm -hmm. and using that as a shortcut to being powerful. Yeah. So... Overdrive. I think I just overdid it. <laughs> In an amazing way. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. A little girl asked me um, during one of the breakout sessions, she was like, you are talking about beauty and you've got two different sets of girls who do two different things. She was like, there are some bells that aren't so revered. And she was like, what are you trying to say? And I said, well, I'm really just trying to ask the question about the setup, the things that we've set up here, and I'm using the things. And she was like, you use a lot of food. And I said, well, I feel like women's bodies are treated and looked at like food, yeah. especially from a male gaze. They're mm. even, when we look at how we break food down into calories, mm. we break women's body parts down like that. Certain body parts are more prized than others, and certain looks are more prized than others in the way that food mm -hmm. is also presented. So she was just like... She was that emoji with her head exploding. I, she's like, but you did. I, I was like, I have no answer for you. I just have a question that mm -hmm. I want you to push against. But it was a lot of fun to sort of yeah. to play with it. And I just want to be like Holly Black. I have to say that she creates these like worlds that are like pudding. She leads you into the woods and you get stuck. Mm -hmm. And then all that pudding comes around you and you can't get out. Yeah. And I wanted to sort of mirror that where you're like, oh, this is pretty. Uh-oh, 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 uh That uh -oh. was like exactly how I felt. Yeah. It starts out so nice and beautiful. And then you're just like, ooh, uh -oh, yeah. it's getting real now. <laughs> yeah. And then Trouble. Yeah, and I would like close the book and I'd be like, but like th that question about beauty and like what what is it worth? What do we do? For I was like, I'd be like still thinking about it. I'd be like. Because then you think, what would you do? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? If you were in the world, what sort of choices would you make if you could make them? Mm -hmm. And would you do it? Yeah. I don't trust myself that I would be a rebel and never change oh, myself. Right. Yeah. No, I would I would yeah. try on different looks mm -hmm. just to see yeah. if it made me feel differently. Because why, especially in this world, why not? Why because not? you can. Right. Which is dangerous, right? Yes. yes definitely. <laughs> well. You also explore two different kinds of sisterly relationships mm -hmm. in this book, uh, or in these books, I should say. So you have the relationships between the Bells themselves, and then there's the relationship between Charlotte and Sophia as um, 
our royal sisters. Mm -hmm. Can you talk to us about what you were trying to say about those two different sisterly relationships? What's funny is that I don't have a sister. I don't have one either, and this... This question means so much to me as somebody who doesn't have a sister. Isn't that strange? Yeah, I don't have a sister. Um, I have a pesky brother, younger brother. But same. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm fascinated uh, about what happens in groups of girls and pairs of girls and this idea of the best friend Mm -hmm. and how that word is also weaponized. And so, like, best friend, sister, and we use it like, well, this is my best friend and my sister, and, like, these other women that are my friends are, like, less than. Mm -hmm. And... I worked at a ballet boarding school as my first job out of college, and it was a lot of girls with really interesting relationships that were sisterly and antagonistic. And I thought, I want to deal with a group of girls where we talk honestly about what our looks and how they influence the way that we connect Mm -hmm. because of the way that patriarchy sets us up to compete and distracts us from staying together And I thought it would be interesting to use different relationships. We've got a group of sisters that have different forms of closeness, Camille and her sisters, and she's closest to Amber, and they have sort of a antagonistic at times relationship because Mm -hmm. Amber is definitely a rule follower, and Camille's a questioner. Mm -hmm. And those, I always felt like I was the questioner in in my relationships, but I always had a rule follower that would connect with me, who was always just perfect patty, sort of perfect patty police officer. Like, you can't do that. Don't do that. Why are you even asking those questions? And I wanted to show that, like, you can love that person and it can be infuriating at the same time and how you stay connected. Mm -hmm. And with Charlotte and Sophia, I wanted to show sort of almost a toxic Mm -hmm. friendship where it's like, I love you so much, but I don't want you to be better than me. Right. And they share that in sort of those pairings. And I don't want you to be better than me. And I'm willing to hurt you mm. so that you're not. And how those relationships can spiral out of control because they just start to blend. And it all comes from this idea of competition and ambition. Yeah. yeah. And if women aren't allowed to be ambitious and want things, we sort of turn on each other mm. instead of turning on the structure. Yeah. yeah. And so that's where I was sort of going with those relationships. I don't know what it would have been like to have a sister. I have a lot of female friends and writer yeah. friends that function as my sisters. Yeah. I I don't know. I like it. I'm the middle child and I have two sisters. Okay. So I get to be an older sister and a younger sister, which is, it's it's, it's a cool place to be. Mm -hmm. Um, But they're like, well, my older sister is like one of my best friends. Yeah. But the age difference between the older and the younger kind of separated the two of us and left the youngest by herself a bit. Right. So now that we're adults, it's different. But it's, it's always interesting to see sisterly relationships portrayed. Right. And then yeah. how they just ebb and flow. And I watch some friends with their sisters, and I have female friends that I that function as my sisters, but there's never that level of, like, competition or... Mm. Um, but I'm fascinated when sisters or females are pit against each other. Mm. Yeah. And sort of what happens. And so I think that probably gets into a little bit of book two, right? Yes. The Everlasting Rose. Yes. And so that came out recently. Mm-hmm. So without getting into spoilers, okay. could you give our listeners a little bit of what to expect in book two? Sure. I would say book one is Camille sort of going out in the world and figuring out, uh-oh, maybe it's not exactly <laughs> what I was told it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And she has to confront sort of, what am I going to do about it? What, ha- what do you do about it? when you find out, oh, no, it's not what they said it was going to be. Book two is, 
how do I fix it? Mm. Or how do I start to fix it? Because sometimes you can't fix everything, but what can you fix? And how do I protect the people that I love? Um, And how do I figure out who I am now that all the stuff that I was told was stripped away, now that the rose-tinted glasses are gone? Yeah. Who am I? And I feel like it mirrored sort of my teenagehood where I grew up in the suburbs of Maryland. Like, this is my, you know, this is my home. And I felt very privileged and spoiled and sheltered. And then when I started, when my parents pushed me out for even college, I was like, oh, no. (laughs) This is what it means to live away from home. And this is what the world has done to people. And this is how people interact with me. And I felt like I was having, like, an existential crisis. (laughs) Yeah. So I wanted to sort of mirror that. And then it's sort of now what? What do you do? How do you answer the questions yourself when no one is answering for you? And how do you make things right? And can you? Yeah. So it's basically a lot of her running, <laughs> running <Yeah>. around, <laughs> which is exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. It's stressful to write, but coming out into the world can be exhausting in dealing mm-hmm. with it as a an adult and seeing things. Adulting is hard. Oh, that should yeah. be the tag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Adulting is hard. The everlasting rose. Adulting is hard. Exactly. But we have teacup pets. Exactly. Squeeze <laughs> <Just> one. <laughs> So um, are you planning to write any more books set in this world? Yes. <laughs> There's one more. There's one more. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it comes from a different perspective. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I'm intrigued. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so hopefully it'll announce with the cover soon. Um, yeah. Ooh, I get, we get another cover. I love the covers I, of these books. They're really ridiculous. Yeah, they're <laughs> but, brilliant. The first one, I actually bought it here last year, uh, and I took it home, and I have a daughter at home she's two now so she was one then and every time I put the book down she would come and she would grab it and she would say my book <laughs> I was like no mommy's book my book and she knows <laughs> she knows I was like one day it will be your book right now it's my book <laughs> and it'd be great if you guys read it together because I feel like a lot of young girls get their self-esteem from their moms mm-hmm. and so I find myself fussing with myself and the things that I don't like about my body are the things that my mom would say she didn't like about hers oh yeah and so that, there's yeah. like transference like there's like this oh, yeah weird thing Mm -hmm. and she'd be like ugh my pants are getting too tight or you know things like that and I want to be in pictures exactly and like oh no I don't like that angle and I find myself I'm like oh no I'm doing the same thing or like you know I'm like oh no I got my mom's arm the mom arm you know and so (laughs) it comes I think we transfer a lot of it and so I have a lot of mothers and daughters reading together Mm. And yeah. discussing. Yeah. And yeah, and that's why I, I thought, I was like, one day, yes, yeah. this will <laughs> Not, be your book. Yes. We go through this book together. But right now it's mommy's book. Exactly. <laughs> mommy's got to finish. <laughs> I think she, they see the flowers, right? And it's like bright and the colors. Yes. And it, I mean, it's a beautiful book. So she's yeah. like, mine. It's a little bit false advertising, though, because I get a lot it of is. teens that write to me and they're like, I didn't know your book was going to be so dark. <laughs> it's pink. And I was like, I know, but I have no control over that. So. Well, yeah, that, that's, that's a whole that's other conversation. True. Exactly. But that's also but a little bit of the point, I was, right? You I get was going to say, in and, you know, some people may or may not like it, but I did. So <laughs> you're trying to say that the book is pretty and flowery on the surface, and then there's a lot of darkness on there. Hmm. Right. <laughs> I think if they pay attention to the map a little bit, mm-hmm. you see that the, there's pe- parts that are ripped and decayed, and you see there's yeah. little um, flies mm. on the map, and there are little hints. But, like, if I could redesign my cover, I'd probably make the flowers have a hint of 
dying oh, or decay yes. just a little bit. Right, right. Yeah. If you could see some of the flies hidden yeah. in the flowers or some of the oh, rot coming mm, on it, I would yeah. do. I think I would do that a little yeah. bit. Or at least the flowers in her hair sort of decaying. Just a little hint right. of trouble. Because yeah. these teens, they get really mad. They're like, I thought this was going to be the selection. And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so they were like, this was, you murdered my heart. And I'm like, okay. Well, that's <laughs> now you have things to think about. Exactly. Uh, so I guess we need to wrap up. Oh, so, no. uh, this is awesome. I know. It's been so this much fun. So, fun. <laughs> so a question we like to ask is, okay. what is your eclectic pick? And by that, we mean a book you love that maybe hasn't gotten a lot of attention or just like a really weird book that you love or... My eclectic pick. And then I'm like, oh, I have a pick that I want to be to be read. Um, my eclectic pick that hasn't gotten a lot of love. So like or a, it could just be a favorite book that you just want people to read. Well, I really want – this is a book that's – can I give two? I'm sure, a librarian. Absolutely. Okay. So a book I want people to read, it's coming out in May. Mm. It's called The Kingdom by Jess Rothenberg. It's like a YA Westworld, oh. but like Disney World sort of messed up (laughs) and you get to follow these girls that are sort of almost the future of women they're sort of hybrid Mm. yeah fantasies of what girls are and they are the princesses that are at this theme park whoa right yeah so on board for that (laughs) right but what you follow is one of those girls they're called fantasticists made a mistake and she's on trial and you follow her trial documents and, mm. and what's happening, and then you flash back to see what actually led up to it. Mm. And it's just fascinating. Sounds intriguing. Right? Yeah. And it's like the boundaries between sort of what we're going to do with technology and this idea of, again, if we can build perfect women and perfect girls, what does that look like? Mm. Right? right? And then yeah. what are the limits? And are they real? Are they human? And are what parts of them are human? What parts aren't? And how can we treat them? It's super good. I tore through it. Um, I hope it gets a lot of attention. Yeah. I mean, it's you know people are starting to talk about it, but it comes out in May, mm, so I'm yeah. really excited about it. Um, and then another eclectic pick, a book that I really loved, is by an author who's also here. It's a Blade So Black um, oh, by Elle <laughs> McKinney, um, and it's what if. Buffy fell down the rabbit hole instead of Alice. So it's amazing. So good. It's funny. It's Mm -hmm. clever. And I love Wonderland. And so to see her do that with a kick-ass black girl, I was like, yes. You may have just spent some of my money because I've been debating buying that all day. (laughs) It's super good. The voice is really good. And just seeing sort of where she takes it, it's definitely a dark darker imaginative Alice so and Wonderland's kind of a weird creepy place to begin with so the idea of like a you can definitely yeah exactly you can make it dark and like more (laughs) of a Buffy type of character sort of and the trouble that she's going to get into it's really really good I wish it got all the attention oh man if my husband ever listens to this, I'm really sorry, but buy another book. I have to go and buy, like, my 55th book of the day. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it happens. Sorry, husband. I was going to a book festival. You knew this was happening. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, just apologize later. Like, I made you something really nice, though. Here it is. And I spent this money. <laughs> I'll bring you home dinner. Exactly. Yeah, no. That's what I'm saying. You just it, bring it'll home dinner. Yeah. yeah. We'll work it out. And all your books. <laughs> Be like, don't pay attention to this bag I have behind my back. <laughs> that bag five size, times bigger. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's made of magic. <laughs> <laughs> so, where can listeners find you online? 
I am Brown Bookworm on Twitter and on Instagram. And then I have a website and I think I have a Facebook page, but oh. So it's I'm a social lot. it's a lot. So I'm mostly now on Instagram. So and I tweet a little bit. But, well, but yeah. Great. All right. Yeah. That's where I am. Thanks so much for having oh, me. Awesome. No, Thanks thank for you. coming on. This yeah. is great. Yay. Yeah, we really appreciate you chatting with us today. And thank you to all you eclectic readers for listening. Um, check us out on Twitter at Eclectic Read Pod or on Litzy at Eclectic Readers. Listen to past episodes on our website, eclecticreaders.fireside.fm, or subscribe to us in your favorite podcatcher so you never miss an episode. Look for relevant links in our show notes, and let's shelve this until next time.